watching Prohibition fall down. What's up, DGC? Hey, I got a special treat today. First off, Guru running the board. What's up, brother? What's going on, man? Yeah, and I'm psyched. My buddy Frenchie Cannoli, or my new or about to be friend Frenchie Cannoli, is on the line. Mr. Hash Extraordinaire. What is going on, brother? Pretty good, Hashishin. Do making hash, learning more and more every day. Thanks for having me. I love it, the hashashin. I love it. Why don't we just even start? So you're like a, a hashish historian. Is that, that the best way to describe you? Uh, but I call myself a hashishin because I had very close uh, friends from Afghanistan who had been making hash in their family for a generation, and they called themselves hashishin. It's basically a, a cannabis resin devotee. <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> sure, sure. So hashashin, I actually, I love studying the the etymology of words. And isn't that where uh, assassin comes from? I believe. Uh, uh, it's, where, it's where it's been taken wrongly from. So that's wrong. Uh, okay, uh, correct. Hashishin, actually, the, the root of hashishin is hashishia, eater of hashish. And it's older than the story of the old man of the mountain and his, uh, his sect of uh, assassin. He, he was the first terrorist cell. He was a Sunni with a little empire and to be able to uh, uh, deal with adversity without having an army. Right. He had a group of assassins that could, that could catch anybody anywhere. And he killed one of the king family in the, during the crusade. Right. Which brought the story of the, uh, of the assassin. And Marco Polo also uh, brought back the story. But that way after the, the real happening. So, so what's the first, as we're going to go back and talk uh, hashish history, what's the first reference that, that you have or that, that we know of, of humans using hashish? Seventh uh, century. There is nothing truly about resin until the until after the, the death of Mohammed in two uh, medical treatises, uh, tenth century. And, and, when... and before that, there is nothing at all whatsoever with resin, which is a bit strange since the first thing that would happen when you touch the plant to pick up seeds, for right. example. Sure is to stick resin on your hand, that would be the first concentrate. Right. That's, that's rubbed live resin. Sure. Today it's called charas. Yeah, I remember seeing there was, you probably remember this, there was an old High Times article where this old kind of swami looking dude went and he just kind of just rubbed up on the plant, just kind of massacred it actually, but he just got all, until his hands were just completely covered in, I guess through the friction, it kind of, it, it changed the color of it too, but resin glands. I, I did that for seven years in India, seven seasons. If you rub gently, the flower at the peak of uh, of their uh, flowering cycle right to collect pure live resin in your hand the plant standing live 
Got it. Okay. And then and then it's just uh, gently, it must be a technique to not, first off, smoking your skin cells, but second of all, uh, not cooking yeah, it up. You're I, under I, your tools. So it's like, yeah, when you unstick the resin to a microscopic level, you may have a little skin. Uh, cell skin, but everything later on it's absorbed by the by the resin. I don't know. I never thought about the cell. Uh, right. No. I just the might- skin I left in the resin until I came to the states to today type of uh, uh, like uh, pretty much uh, focus on. Uh, on cleanliness that you have. Sure, sure. And it never even crossed my mind that I uh, I was leaving skin in my resin since I could never see it. Yeah, no, I'm just, I, try, I tried to make it at my, one of I my grows. fatties that look pretty much like a full meltier. Okay, so okay, so so it's just got to be the technique, right? I guess what you're saying it's, is, it's a, the, it's like everything else. When you collect resin, cleanliness is basically defined quality. Sure. So when you caress gently a flower, and you don't crush the flower because if you crush it. You, you get water on your hand and chlorophyll. Water is bad mm. because water makes the resin, the, the resin will not stick on something watery. You know what I mean? I, I would, do. Uh, so it's like the, you have to be tender. You just caress the, the flower so that you collect the resin on your hand. You're not brutal. The mountain is full of it. Got it. It's so just very light. It's Jamaica. They don't get the tech quite the same. Sure. Uh, okay. The feet of the Himalaya, it's uh, one of the two uh, most uh, uh, acknowledged place as a birthplace of cannabis. And in, uh, in Indian uh, religion, they say that Cannabis was born in the Himalaya in the drop of the elixir of life that fall from sky from the sky right. when the god created the elixir of life, and the Himalayan mountain is covered with wild plants that have been growing since the dawn of time. It's only since the late sixties that they started to uh, to cultivate because of the demand. But naturally, you're saying all over the Himalayas, there's not there's natural just bushes, cannabis bushes all around, and there yeah, always has I been. Mean, I mean, I, I for seven years I collected part of my season in a mountain in the Himalaya was to spend two or three weeks walking in a high in a mountain and rubbing plants left and right. Wow. That grows in a wild under, uh, it's pretty crazy. So, so you're collecting, yes. at that point, you're collecting the resin glands through your hands. You're making, that's charis, those are temple balls. That's, Is that the same thing? Charis, yes, and rubbed live resin. Okay. The oldest technique to collect resin that uh, can I ask? was available to us. How much resin can you, how much uh, charis can you make in a day? Is it something uh, where you just do all it day? It depends on the quality you're making. Like uh, it's the same than dry sieving in a certain way or even using a, a washer. Right. It's like are you, are you dedicated to quality or are you producing quantity? Sure. I, I would that. I would make maybe in a, in jungle you hardly can make more than three hundred a day, 
in a cultivated field, when you rent your cultivated field, you can do four hours a day. You, uh, you said four you hours a day? just wait in the morning that the plant has no dew anymore. Sure. And start to, uh, to really get sticky because there is an insect life starting. And you stop before sunset. Got it. And you said three to four ounces a day? No, 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 no. Hands. Uh, by hand, my hand will be like maybe five gram a hand. So if I make like 10 to 15 gram a day was uh, pretty good. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, because I thought it was a time-consuming process. It is very much time-consuming. And when, when it's jungle, you have a, a little patch here, then your uh, hands are not full, but you have to keep them clean. You need to walk a little bit further and find some more plants and so on. Or you have like a little patch open in a forest and it's like packed with plants and you're going to spend two days there. Wow, man. So you've been hanging out in the jungle. You got an interesting life, huh? <laughs> I, uh, I dedicated my life to traveling when I was young. And I would, have, I would have given even smoking for traveling. Right. But because I didn't have to, a lot of my life and experience was closely related to the plant and slowly, slowly the relation become bigger and bigger through experience travel until I came here and then I realized that it's actually medicinal and then I realized the history of hemp and that hemp can really literally change the face of the planet. Hemp sure can, and brother. It become bigger than anything else in my life, basically, when you reach my 60s. <laughs> Man, so, so like, how old were you when you first discovered the magic of hash, when you got into hash making your travels? The first time was 17. Oh, nice. Yeah, very similar to the first age that I smoked. Yeah, in my, yeah it was, but at that time in uh, in the seventies, it was really the, you were bad. You were not a bad boy. Mm -hmm. You were the scum of the world. You know, right here in in the nineteen eighties, we had the war on drugs, and yeah, it was really scary. You know, they, they scared the shit out that. of you. The war on drugs. Oh, I was in producing sure. country where it's like. All my life, I wanted to travel, and all the history I learned were about the Persia and uh, Burton and Thousand and One Night and the discovery of the Nile and uh, Kipling, India. All those stories. There is that uh, there is story about Ash. There is a Ash culture that I have had absorbed, but without really knowing it. Mm -hmm. Then the first time I smoked, it was like experiencing through my senses what those country are. And when I was 18, when nobody could tell me anything, I traveled and I traveled for 18 years solid. That's all I did. Wow. My life was dedicated to traveling. Wow. And I would spend three months every, every year, three, four months in a producing place, deep in a producing place. During harvest time, During yeah. I smoke for the year, basically, and <laughs> smoke it on the beach. Uh, that sounds smart to me. And so, okay, so... It's like, you know, when you don't know if you're going to live to your 60 to get retirement, when well, mm -hmm. you take it up front. And I'm so happy I did. That was you know, <laughs> a very, very clever move. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Everybody should learn a little bit from that, man. Do what you can while you're young. I mean, it's not that. I mean, when there is something that there is nothing else in your life that you would rather do, just do it. Sure, sure.
So, all right, so getting back to the, getting back to the little cannabis, if, with all your travels, come on, tell me where, where was the best cannabis, the best hash that you, that, that you smoked or, or made? Um, give me Jamaica, give me, give me the scene. India. India. India, 10,000 10, feet high at the end of the Parvati Valley and the Malana Valley. Uh, wild jungle and fields that I rented for years in a row and I let the, the plant get back to wildness. I didn't plant the field every year. I just let nature do its job. Sure, Mr. No-Till. went back to, uh, to being wild. I had never smoked stuff like that. Wow. But it, it's like it's also the intensity of being uh, days away from uh, from the first road. It's like you uh, uh, you live in the most secluded uh, out of this world place in the caves. There is bear around. I mean, I don't know. Really? I, uh, it's more uh, on top of the quality of the resin and the plant at such altitude, such genetic. Right. It's uh, it's that whole experience of it that makes that that resin was always and will always be super special to me. Do you, do you, was there a change there? Were they crossbreeding? Are these the same breeds that they've yeah, been doing? Yeah, people for? have been bringing stuff there. It's a shame because they're polluting the most... They're polluting uh, one of the most ancient genetic pool. That And that's... I, I don't want to say name because I shouldn't. But there is a lot of seed company who go collect landrace and pollute the genetic pool so that I guess people cannot have the same stuff than themselves. I don't know. Well, how does it, how does I, it's it pollute? It's going to be painful. I, I, those places I've been, re, I've been invited to go back in some of the places I visited when I was younger traveling sure. to teach what I learned in between. So it's pretty trippy. Okay, cool. And and you are uh you actually are a teacher, man. I think that's really cool. You're actually I'll give you a little shout out actually. If I I wish I could get there, I can't. But you actually <laughs> you're actually teaching, you're speaking at the regenerative organic cannabis conference. Our buddy Josh is putting that on. Uh, our buddy yeah, Aquaponics yeah, 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 is over there. Uh, that's a huge part of uh, uh, of here. There is not enough credit given to the farmer and the breeder. Okay. And there is too much credit given to people who do byproduct of the plant and the resin that that plant grow. Right. When it travels the world, people were kind of appreciative that I had made the ash myself. But what they wanted to know is where did I go to make it? Right. Made in right. Morocco, in Pakistan, in Nepal, in India. It's how far do you go? How high in a mountain do you go to get your to make your ash? That's the value of it. It's the climate, the land, the climate, and the genetic. When I came to California, it was still the land, the climate, but the genetics. There is a breeder behind. Already, you have to give credit there. Mm -hmm. Especially when you touch so much variety that I, I feel like I'm in paradise. Yeah. And then behind the plants, there is an actual farmer in producing country, even the cultivated. Uh, it's a break the ground at the raining season, they throw the seed, and that's it. There is no taking care of it. It's a harvest at uh, harvest time. So the... 
the, the farming is pretty minimal, let's say. Right. I had to give a lot more credit in California because there is so much love and dedication that is given to this plant. So now I became like, I, I saw it much more like a, uh, I'm a winemaker and I work with specific cultivar and, one, uh, and vineyard. And the credit, like when you make wine, should go to the place where it's grown and the genetic and the farmer, not to me. Ah, that's interesting. So it is not, the name of a winemaker is not on a bottle. Right, right. And it's, it's not... You know what I mean? It's like the credit goes to the place where it's grown. That's what makes the value. It's along the climate yeah. and the dedication of the farmer that really creates that greatness that you, uh, that you can make great wine or great food or uh, great smoke. Or you cannot create greatness from poor quality and mediocrity. They, and this is something that people don't get it. It's like, it's all about me. Everything they see, everything I do, it's, uh, it's showcasing how good my farmer and how incredible the Norcal is, not me. You know what? I, I normally avoid saying this word to a guy that speaks French, but the word terroir comes to mind. Terroir. I'll say it like 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 American. But <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been a big fight. Yeah. The first time Leo and uh, and Tim Blake talk about it, it resonated really strong in me. Right. Because I'm French. And because I actually have had experience the terroir in India, in all the Muslim, all the Ash country like Pakistan, India, Turkey, all this right. country, you deal with uh, dry material and cure material. You you deal with a bundle of material that you're gonna sh and you're gonna shake the resin from it. Okay. So it's like the relation with the plant is super minimal. So it's like a dry it's sift only process. Only about the resin. Then when I went to India to collect the live resin on your hand changed very much that relation. But I still didn't have like the understanding of the and the value of the of the genetic. Right. It's when I came to the state that that took a really special uh, value. But from valley to valley. From spot to spot, I, I experienced can, uh, like flowers, the resin tested like strawberry, and those plants were growing in a wild strawberry field. I did that, that spot for four years in a row. And every year, it like the terpene profile of the resin and the flower were, was strawberry. Huh. You know what I mean? And it makes sense. Terpenes are volatile. It really changed with altitude and even in the same field. When I let those plants go back to, uh, to wild in the same field, right. banana, mango, papaya, you name it. But at the end of the day, I had a, a fruit cocktail. Here, I can have every one of those fruits separated, which is like beyond real. Huh. You see what I mean? Yes. Yes, I do, sir. 
Uh, man, that's interesting stuff, dude. You've got you've got a, a ton of information, man. I'm just kind of I'm just sitting here listening. This is cool. This is really cool. Man. All right, so hang on. So we got we've got the only one I know so far is Cheris, and it, it, now that's like a traditional technique. Is anybody? What do you think of when you come to the America and you see all this the chemistry sets out and everybody doing this? Uh, you know, all this new stuff, the acetates and you know whatever. All this all this interesting diamonds. Tell, tell me your thoughts like, on it. I came before BHO. So when you started BHO, I come from the perfume industry. I come from south of France. Okay. So I uh, I knew the potential. I, I think I knew better than most the potential of BHO. Okay, for extracting terpenes. As an extraction, this is the ultimate tool. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I asked uh, seven, eight years ago to... Uh, one of the top uh, extractor in uh, in the world of extraction, sure. if it was possible to actually extract and separate every cannabinoid and uh, and terpene uh, compound that you can find in a cannabis plant, and he said, "Yeah, right." So it's like you have the ultimate tool to do stuff that the big pharma says that we were not capable to do. Um, at the same time, right? At the same time, because most of the new generation had never experienced any other concentrate right. than an extract, there is a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding about sieved resin, pressed, unpressed, and extracted, solventless and with solvent. Okay, sure. It's very different. It's like you cannot compare a sieved resin to an extracted resin, uh, to, to a sieved resin head to an extracted resin. Right. Uh, 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 a resin head is like a fruit. An extract is like the, uh, the juice of the fruit that has been extracted. Sure. You have to take the resin from the resin head to have... Uh, rosin and all those other uh, type of uh, extracts that you do. Sure. When I make ash, uh, the matrix, so you, when you do that, you leave behind the matrix that created the resin, those hundred plus cannabinoid and terps. Like when you take the juice from a fruit, you take away what actually created the juice and the sugar. Sure, all the fiber, all it's, the good stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, you it's still it. the apple, but it's not quite the apple anymore. All right, so then you're the perfect guy to ask this to. I love smoking flour. I can smoke a bowl of, you know, some crazy new strain and get super, super baked, man. So, you know, yeah, helicopter baked. Also, mm-hmm. I, I can smoke half a dozen. I could probably smoke a dozen of dabs, you know, dabs of of, of you know, like the ones I'm used to or just normal shatter. And it just doesn't get me the same kind of baked. And I've just been thinking maybe the, the terpenes are stripped from it or the kind of different cannabinoids. Help me understand. Uh, help me understand that if you could. Or does that make any sense to you? Yeah. It's like the, the plant give you the cannabinoid with the carboxyl acid group attached to it. Okay, that makes the sense. A. Okay, that A block all psychoactive potential of the cannabinoid. Yes. 
There is no psychoactivity with that A. That's why we need to dry and to cure it. To get rid of that A, you yep. need heat. Got it. Little heat. Okay. Uh -huh. you, so most people believe that you can, you, you, you decarb on a nail. Yeah, to a point you do. Uh, especially a piece of ash that's going to bubble for a minute. But when you put an extract that is not decarbed on a nail and there is almost instant combustion, there is very, very little decarb happening. That means that your body doesn't absorb that much uh, cannabinoid that could create a psychoactivity. That you makes sense, brother. It makes sense. So thank you for finally answering that because I knew it was happening. I didn't understand, but it's just not properly decarboxylating on the nail, huh? If all you have to do it like at super low temperature, when you have your extracts that keep bubbling and bubbling and bubbling right. in, your, uh, right. in your banger, yep. uh, all the, the longer the time, the slower the temperature, the longer the time, the more decarb you have, the more ability to absorb uh, psychoactive cannabinoid uh, in your body. You need a lot of terp also. The more terp, the better. Huh. That's, that's what really bring it into your blood system, into your lung, right. and modulate all the, the effect uh, when it's a lockdown on your receptor. All right, that makes sense. Thank you for answering that, Mr. Pro. I love it. <laughs> hey, all right, so dude, come on, paint me a picture, man. If I'm coming over to Frenchie Cannoli's house, what are we going to smoke? Uh, ash. Of course, man. So, I mean, what? Come on, what are we smoking? I mean, what you? you and first off, is a temple ball the same thing as cherries? Uh, actually, the originally uh, the royal Nepalese temple ball. It's made in Nepal, so it's made from uh, it's charas. It's made of a bunch of and uh, and rub. Got it. Uh, okay. In a big bowl, and at that, they literally figured out a way to package the resin to edge for, for years. Right. By uh, making an unblemished ball, like a ball without any uh, crack or any uh, sure. blemish sure. whatsoever. And the outside uh, uh, part of the, of the ball is they, they roll it in a way that they fuse outside the layer of the of the bowl right. into a, a hard shell. Oh, got it, got it. So it, it won't and let any oxygen I, pass I, that yeah, shell. And so that that hard shell from the outside uh, create a, a, a chamber inside where there is no air, no humidity, there is nothing that can go beyond that millimeter or so sure. of uh, hard skin, uh, hard resin. Oh, that's awesome, man. It's like it's a, a hash it's, egg. It's trippy. It's really trippy. And, and it, seriously, and, and it can last for years? I don't understand really what I saw when I saw it in Nepal. Right. But uh, now, like that, the knowledge behind that, I, man, I smoked some, a, a bowl that was 12 years old. That was just hanging on the temple of that guy for 12 years. Wow. In Kathmandu. The weather in Kathmandu goes like it's tropical and Himalayan mountain together. So it's like the chance, the temperature, humidity, it's bloody madness. Right. And, uh, 
And the guy cried like he made a bunch of little all all over the the temple ball. Right. And like we were in a, in a room, not too big, but not too small. But you know, when somebody is doing something and you're really curious about it, your nose gets really close to it because you're <laughs> of curious. Course, of course. And when the guy opens that ball, it punched me in the nose. It put me on my butt. <laughs> Hey, how are the smells as far as that goes? I don't goes? remember as much the stone and stuff right. as like being like blasted by terpen. Because, wait, it got you up, you're saying? Yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, like the, the rush, like the smell coming sure. out of it sure. put me on my butt. Wow. And fill up that room in a matter of seconds. Then I came back to it to look at it. And right. It, it was like, you know, caviar, burgundy sure. and purplish and almost dark blue. Okay. Like that inside, like trippy, my lord, trippy. And I didn't really know exactly what I was looking at. I knew the name because Royal Nepalese Temple Ball, even in, uh, in 1980, was like a, a meat already. Right. Uh, so uh, I did pay attention, but I had no understanding of what was, what the knowledge of resin that goes beyond creating some, something so perfect. Yeah. That so stand time and get better through time. It's like, wow. And what do you think would happen if you went back to uh, to Nepal or to Asia and, and showed off what they're what, what's in a dispensary now? You know these but orange butters. They know what is in the dispensary, baby. Now it's like that that valley at uh, two days walk from the closest road in India. They have an IG. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like it's uh, they want they want to do ice water, but they don't understand that. Uh, the whole ice water, if you cannot dry, uh, it's not good. Right. You know what I mean? It's like there is, there is that, that they want what we have, but they don't understand the treasures they own. Sure, sure, simplicity. Uh, uh, that's why there is shitty genetics that has been polluted, polluting their uh, gene pool, because they want our stuff. What they don't understand is the value of what we have here come from their place. Sure, sure. We, we, it's built on the on the shoulders of giants. Absolutely. Or, you build on land race. It's like all our genetic. It's uh, it's land race. It's like that basic genetic pool of, uh, of incredible diversity. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> that is good stuff, brother. That is good stuff. Right. Hey, by the way, what are you doing now, man? You got any current projects you're into, man? You got any, anything you want to tell us about? Uh, no, like a lot of teaching and moving around, a lot of workshops. Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to travel to uh, to Europe, Spanabis, Berlin, Milan, Amsterdam. Nice. This summer, which is going to be pretty cool. Nice. And uh, otherwise, trying to... Uh, Trying to make people understand here in California that we should really dedicate ourselves to quality instead of giving, encouraging mediocrity just because Competition, people yeah. don't know better on the market. It's not a good reason, especially when people, uh, California is the fifth economic power in the world. And yes. you were talking about terroir. For a terroir to be recognized, like Bordeaux, 
Bordeaux wasn't recognized before the quality of his wine was known worldwide right. and recognized for their quality. That means that technically speaking, in, in California and uh, in uh, South uh, Oregon, we don't need to prove that we have a cannabis terroir. The world recognizes that we have a cannabis terroir. Absolutely. We just need now to define it, actually. But if we have mediocrity on the market because it's a legal market, right. not only it's not really smart because world market is coming, and to be known for mediocrity is not the best, but we're destroying all the terroir and mm. the appellation d'origine and being able to become what France is Bo and Bordeaux are to the wine industry. Sure. They're, they're like they're, uh, they're literally throwing a, a legacy and an amazing heritage in the garbage just to produce quantity. Yeah, they should little maybe look also at the data coming from all the agricultural products that they are selling now. There is many countries who do not accept anything coming from America because it's so polluted. I want to talk to you about that. I, I, I could... worry about monoculture. Monoculture is chemical nutrient and, and pesticide. I worry about... Uh, huge CBD farm, huge hemp farm that are uh, that do CBD right. and let, and let the stock rot in a, in a field. The hemp plant has been breeded for tens of thousands of years, right? Pre to to produce mainly fiber and and seeds. Now that the people uh, extract CBD as an icing on the on the cake, right. I'm fine with it. Uh, CBD, 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 fair enough. But to let the stock rot in the field, shame on you. We are supposed to save the planet. Right. Okay. It's like, you don't even make paper with that, with the stock. You just produce CBD. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's like, this is my main worry. It's like, there is so much... Uh, yeah, so many uses for hemp. There's so many uses for the stock, for the fiber, for every part of the plant. It does and seem and it's silly. Like, to... you, really, you really want to make money. It's by producing CBD. You think you want, you're going to really make the big money. Mm -hmm. The big money, it's like, make a plastic, um, biodegradable plastic. Mm -hmm. You do that, yeah. Then you get, you get the jackpot. Do something with the, uh, with, with the fiber. There is 25,000 products that we can, we can do with those fiber. Sure. You can make bricks that are basically fireproof. We're burning all over in California. Can't you make us brick in, uh, in Colorado? Like, I mean, it's like we're, we're supposed to create a new green economy and everybody stuck on CBD. It's like, it's scary how little the vision is. Well, it's tough because we're really limited. I mean, if you think about, you know, my, my kid is 14. She asked me what a byproduct was because we were talking about dog food. I'm like, it's something, you know, probably, you know, and dog food is probably beef hearts or something like that, but they get to sell other things other than their pri their primary product. You know, maybe it's a beef, you know, beef, uh, whatever factory. They make, they make beef, but they also sell dog food, you know, and, and, uh, cannabis, we don't get to do that. You know, that's a very deep question your, your daughter uh, asks you because you should ask yourself that question with every product that you buy. They are poisoning you. 
It's yeah. like people are so sick because we have poisoned the planet. And there is only one way out of it. It's to clean it up and small farming. I and agree. Using only organic living soil type of methodology. Otherwise, there is no future for with, for this kid. And look at how old is she to ask you a question like that? Yeah, yeah. You know, she's 14. She's so fucking, that new generation is so smart. And that's the question to ask, really. <laughs> give, give her my regard. She's brilliant. <laughs> I, I love her. She, I, I do love her. She's amazing to me, that's for sure. But yeah, you, I mean, you do think about that. It's, uh, we, we should, it's, I mean, it's, there's so much to learn from them because they, they experience it much deeper than us. And it's not because they're younger than they're not smarter than us. On many points, it's not how much data you hold; it's how you uh, how you manipulate those data to uh, to get uh, to get solution and a bigger vision. Sure. Uh, through age and all happen in our life, we don't have that vision that teenager have. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but it depends what you're raised on, too. I mean, I was raised in the in the eighties and the seventies where chemicals were going to save the world, and they sprayed DDT. Yep. And, and yep. now, now what you know, what she's being raised on it, is it hey, is a planet and plus what plastic did. Huh? Right, right. But now it's, it's you know, crazy. hey, carbon can save the world. You know, we've you know, by and the biggest sink of carbon we've got is our soil. And I think people know this. I don't think it's a secret anymore. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to be, for people to understand the value of the soil. It's like, and there is two science to soil. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, there is science of its of its uh, how it's formed, what uh, what it's made of, sure. and is a science of the life that it holds. As much as you're fascinated by by hashish and the history of hashish, that's what I'm trying to learn. This is a guy that, that didn't take high school chemistry, uh, but I'm trying to learn the soil science, how it all works, all the different types of life. You know, it's it's a it's a tree. You know, when you look at life, it's this branch tree, and it's absolutely amazing how we all you know feed off each other and need each other. I sh I showed my 14 year old kid today. You know, it's like the land and the climate are. So so powerful that there is not a plant that was born in two places. Yeah, I mean, if you know, it's just made of uniqueness. And uh, when you, since we all started from the same place, all the diversity that exists in uh, all insect, mammal, and everything, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's the land that uh, that created it. Yep, you got microbes doing it on your head right now, man. As you see. Oh, it's no, good it's stuff. The moment, the big stuff is fungus that I have to go and and check more thoroughly. Yeah. I had big conversation on uh, on the evolution of the planet and stuff and uh, and fungus and what comes first. And uh, sure, the third planet, man, the fungal kingdom. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the stuff I, that's, that's the kind of books I read and fall asleep to, that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> 
Oh, very cool, man. Hey, I, would, I appreciate you spending a little bit of time with me. You're, you're a regular cannabis celebrity over here. Hey, you do actually teach a class, right? You teach a class. Of, do you teach at Oaksterdam still? Can people take your class there? No, no, no. I do. Uh, I don't. Uh, I do my own private uh, workshop. Okay, cool. So, how do you get a hold of you if we want to? If I wanted to learn a little bit more from you, if I didn't ask all the right uh, questions, mostly on my uh, IG. Very cool. I really, uh, I really give. Uh, all the data of uh, of past and uh, and future uh, events. If you want to uh, to learn what I do, I have my workshop are also in minute detailed video professionally done on YouTube in four parts, plus a bunch of other video left and right to uh, to teach exactly what I do. Respect. And if you go on my website, on the article page, frenchicanoli.com, on the article page, right. there is all the article I've wrote for the past, uh, since I started to write, with all the reference and the book and uh, what I used to... Uh, to write them, and uh, that's basically it. I love it. And, what, and on Instagram, what, is just Frenchy Cannoli on Instagram? What is it? Uh, uh, Frenchy Cannoli, at Frenchy Cannoli, Beautiful. with a Y, the Frenchy. I love it. I always thought cannolis were Italian. What the hell do I know, brother? I'm half Italian. I'm from uh, south of France, Nice, and Nice was an Italian state so not so long ago. Okay, I love it. Uh, so it's like I have uh, I have both sides. <laughs> Very cool. That's why when I when I uh, somebody uh, was uh, gave me that uh, that last name, I thought, oh man, it fits so well. Perfect. I wanted everybody to know that I'm French. But I, uh, since I'm half Italian, it's like, mm, yeah, Frenchy Cannoli, okay. Yeah. How many languages do you speak, man? I got to know. Solve and everything. <laughs> That's cool. That is cool. How many languages do you speak? I've been traveling around for 18 but years, you know, man. You, uh, I did speak quite a few, but you you forget them. Mm -hmm. I even, I, I, I couldn't speak French when I went back after 18 years. Wow. I was translating from English into French. Wow. I swear to God. The weirdest ever. <laughs> it took me two weeks before I felt comfortable again to speak French. Now, 20 years later, right. I didn't speak French for the longest time again. Right. I had a hard time speaking French. Like three years ago, I, uh, I had an interview. I was hesitating at every word. It come in English and I translate it. Wow. So it's like I, I'm, I'm looking for uh, for the word. And now I'm comfortable because aficionado, there is a French connection. I'm in contact with more French on a regular basis. Got it. But I want to, because I want to write in French also, my, my problem is I don't think in French. I cannot write in French Understood. like I write in English. Understood. Yeah, I think in English. So it's like if I want to write in French, I need to be able to stop thinking English to be able to write French into French, not translating an English that is not really totally perfect in the first place sure, sure. to French. You know what I mean? It's, like, <laughs> it's fun with that. It's very weird. Hey, I'm glad that you think in English, all right, man? Because I read and think in English, so I'm down. The community appreciates you, brother. Hey, good stuff. No, I picked up a bunch of language on the, on the road. I, my I Hindi bet. was pretty good. 
for a while because I spent so much uh, so much time in Northern India making uh, charas. That's awesome. Uh, uh, I spent eight years of my life in India altogether. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, that'll have to be another podcast because I, <laughs> I want to learn a little bit from you there. I bet you there's some pretty amazing lessons that you learned down there about keeping uh, it simple. Uh, I was at school all this country after all. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't a bum. I was going to school. <laughs> Damn straight. Damn straight. Probably taught you a lot more than you'd learned in college, that's for sure. No, but it's funny because I uh, all these places, I never went there to learn truly. I went there because I wanted the highest quality possible and it's not for sale. Right. So right. you have to do it yourself mm-hmm. and work alongside the people with their tools. So you pick up, but I, I, I had to get back in my mind and learn back what I was actually learning when I was doing it at that time. If you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a trip, brother. All right. I hope I see you. I'm, I'm trying. I wish I could make it to that regenerative cannabis conference. And unfortunately, I cannot have family obligations. Uh, but man, I would love love to hang out. Love to do do this again. I'll study a little bit more on the on the hashish techniques next time, man. So I can ask better questions. But thanks so much for letting us get to know you, man. Really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Anytime. Um, it's like I uh, sharing sharing something that is really so precious for for me. Uh, it's uh, thank you for helping me sharing what I uh, I really. I've spent so much time in my life learning and uh, and trying to give to the next generation, basically. Yeah, I tell you what, when this was one word, word, sir, and that is respect. Respect. <laughs> I appreciate. You make too much of me, but I really appreciate. <laughs> Take it easy, Frenchie. Thanks a million, sir. Back to you soon, man. Bless. Some people love to blaze up the deck. Yeah, we get happy for noon And when the boss says is to take a little break That means we're lighting up a dude It's just weed, it's just weed I like to keep the boss on, on, on It's just weed, it's just weed In my toolbox there's a bone Some people start their day with a pill, it's what the doctor says to do. They shake their heads at natural medicine. Go ahead and try something new. It's just weed, it's just weed. I like to keep the good on. It's just weed, it's just weed. I like to smoke it out be loud. Just look at how he's being paid 